welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. Well, I'm excited about being with you today. And uh, for those who do not know me, I'm Bishop Rick Thomas. I am Sean's father. And uh, yeah, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have him. But anyway... Let's just keep things straight, you know what I mean? <laughs> have to keep it in perspective, remind him ever so often, okay? But uh, no, we're excited. I, I'm excited to be with you today. How many have enjoy, been enjoying the ministry of our pastor in this house? It's been off the chart. This series he did on the 23rd Psalm, I said, you, with that, that series, you really established yourself. And hopefully he's putting it into a book form and they're going to make that available. But, man, what a phenomenal series that was. And so, you know, I just think we're so blessed to be able to sit under that anointing and, and see how God is not only maturing and bringing him along, but as he is doing that, he's, he's using him to bring us along. Amen? And so I'm excited. I'm very proud of, of, of Pastor Sean and Aaron and Pastor Aaron. I think they're doing a phenomenal job and we celebrate them. My wife and I, just to let you know, we're not just sitting around. We, we are doing things. And we're traveling, we're speaking, we're, we're working on some things right now that I'm excited about with uh, materials. And, uh, you know, you start working on something, it starts growing and growing and growing. And uh, we're, we're hopefully by the end of the summer, we're going to be coming out with a number of, of books and things of that nature, as well as some manuals that will help people begin to grow and develop in their, in their lives. And, and I'm, ex- I'm excited about the horizon that sets before my wife and I. We'll be doing a lot of traveling, and we came back from Columbia. I should have brought some clips. I didn't bring those today, but we had a phenomenal time in Columbia and uh, just saw literally uh, people's lives changed and transformed and the miracle working power of God. So it was an exciting time. We'll be going back over to Columbia, and uh, we're excited about that. But uh, we've got a, we've got a pretty booked-up uh, uh, the next few months ahead for the rest of the year, we're pretty well booked. So we're going to stay in busy. I'm still preaching, and uh, I didn't backslide. And, and so I just let you know, some of you think, well, what is he doing now? Uh, same thing I've always done. I'm just not doing it with you. Uh, that is a joke. Okay, I'm here with you all every week. Go to the book of Mark, chapter 4, if you would, please. We want to talk about good ground in preparing ourselves in this passage of Scripture for where I believe that God is taking this church in this time. Uh, we're going to begin to move into some uh, uh, areas that I think that the church has a tendency to get away from uh, a lot and that we need to bring it back into focus. And, and most of you know that my, my my teaching predominantly is based upon that God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to walk in success. And uh, it's amazing because the minute you use the term prosperity, people get all upset, you know. And, uh, and that always fascinates me because people say, well, you shouldn't believe God to prosper you. And I said, well, what should I believe God for? Because I believe him to get saved. That sounds pretty like a pretty good prosperity move. I believe him to be delivered. That sounds pretty prosperous. I believe that he would, he would uh, uh, give me peace, the passive understanding. That sounds pretty prosperous. And he said that the, the steps of a righteous man are order of the Lord. That sounds pretty successful. He said, if God be for you, who can be against you? That, that seems like that God wants us to be above and not below and the head and not the tail. He said, I'll bless you, you're coming in and going out. So I don't know what that means to you, but to me, that's pretty prosperous lifestyle. 
And so you'll hear as we teach today, you know, some of those streams that are going to be coming into this message because that's who we are. That, that's who my, my, the ministry that God has placed on my life, that this is the, the echo that you will hear from me. And uh, someone said to me, said, well, you know, don't you preach anything else? I can preach anything else, but, uh, you know, that's not what God called me to do. You know, I'm sure Billy Graham could have talked on end-time prophecy, but he wasn't called to teach end-time prophecy. He was called to, to get people saved. Come on, stay with me, folks. Hello. I'm sure Catherine Kuhlman could have taught on any number of things, but God called her to operate in the miracles and signs and wonders. That's what she did. Amen. And so it's important we, we find out where the lane that God put us in because that's where the anointing will come for everything else to flow from. You see, when you find your purpose and destiny in life and you're operating in your purpose and destiny, it's amazing how all these other things manifest themselves. We're going to be talking about good ground in just a few moments, but part of being in good ground is that when you're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing that glorifies God, all of a sudden, everything you touch... When we were over in, in uh, Medellin uh, several years ago in Colombia, and we were ministering over there, and they asked me to come and teach on seed time and harvest, our book on uh, a seed perpetual harvest, and we brought it over, and we were teaching on it. The first night, we taught on sowing and reaping, and uh, we took an offering up, and we, we gave an altar call, and we had about 40 or 50 people come forward and get saved. So the next night we came in, we're teaching on giving and receiving and, 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 and sowing and reaping and teaching all that, trying to give them all the lessons, all that. Gave an all to call, another 50, 60 people got saved and the largest offering they ever received in their lives. This went on for four days. On Sunday morning, the pastor came to me. He says, I don't get it. I said, why don't you get it? He said, we've had over 350 people get saved in four days and you haven't said a word or taught a word about being saved. I said, because seed time and harvest is all about salvation. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, who is incorruptible seed. Oh, come on, you're going to stay with me in a minute. So don't think that you're going to talk about good ground and not get into the area of sowing and reaping and not get into the area of producing, being productive to glorify God. Uh, we, can, we can read it and slice it and dice it any way you want to. But when you go to the book of Acts and got filled with the Holy Spirit, if you go back and read that, the church, at the, in the beginning, the church was so involved and so locked and loaded with what had been taught to them by the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and by the apostles that there was not one need in the church. Now, I don't know if does that register with you or not. That means nobody was hungry. That means nobody was naked. That means nobody had a mortgage. I know y'all are looking like, well, look at me as crazy as you want to, but this pan ain't changing. You know, the dog looks at the pan and don't know what to do with it. Well, I don't care what you do with this pan. It's not changing. It is what it is. God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. And my, my, my assignment today is to prepare you for what pastor is going to bring to you over the next several weeks and maybe month. I don't know how long you'll go with the series. So I want us to walk through this thing together somewhat and begin to, and begin to identify some things that I believe is very important that we look at in this passage. So in the book of Mark, chapter 4, we'll start in verse 13. We can put that up on the screen, please. Have we got that? Book of Mark, chapter 4. Okay, I will read it myself. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? He said, if you understand this parable, one parable, then you can understand all the other parables. Now, what does that mean? It means that everything that Jesus is speaking hinges on this truth. That's important we get a hold of that. 
He says, everything that I teach and everything that I do, if you understand this, you'll understand everything else I taught you. So it's important for us. You want to understand end time prophecy? Understand this parable. You understand how to walk in deliverance and, and healing? Understand this parable. You understand to have peace, that passive understanding? Understand this parable. You've got to see what he's saying here. If you understand this, you understand all the parables. Go to the next verse, if you would, please. Verse 14, can we bring that up? Okay, I'm just going to continue. I'm not going to wait on that. Let's go. Verse 14, the sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately, takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation of persecution, it arises from the word's sake, immediately they stumble. And these are the ones sown among thorns. They that the ones who hear the word Listen to this, they hear the word and the cares or the, or the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire of other things entering in and choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. That those who hear the word, listen to this, those, the, those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Now, when you look at this passage, it, I, it is something that gets in my spirit about this because they all heard the word. Everyone say, everyone heard it. See, in a, in, a, in a gathering this size, everyone who's here today and everyone watching by way of, of, of live streaming, you're hearing the word that's being spoken. Now, the sad part about it, according to the scripture, only 25% of you are going to actually do anything with what we say today. Let that sink in for a moment. Say, so, well, I don't know about that. I'm 54 years, starting my 54th year in ministry this year, and if there's anything I've learned is that is a truth. 25% produce everything that a church needs, not only to build a church, but also to reach the world with the gospel of missions. Only 25%. I can go to church after church after church and I'll sit there and talk to them and I'll say, and they'll say, well, I don't agree with that. I'll say, bring out your financial guy, bring out your finances, let me see it. How many people's in your church? Let's see what kind of, oh, giving units, your tithers. Oh, they're only 25, 20, 25%. Some of them don't even have that many. So we need to understand something. We're dealing with a, with a situation here is what group do you belong to? And we're gonna discuss that in a few moments. What, what group do you settle into? Because they all hear the word. People across the world are hearing the word of God. Someone said to me once, they said, well, why is it in, in other nations they see so many more miracles than we have here? Because we're so distracted here. I said, because we're so distracted here. So he says to him, he says, they sow the word. Now, Satan comes immediately and steals the word from those. In other words, though, they're sitting in a meeting, they hear the word, but, eh, you know, we're busy. We walk out the door, we go to dinner, we go to lunch, we go to this, we go here, we go to the beach, we go home, we, whatever we're going to do, and we never think about the word again. So Satan has an open, if you will, uh, uh, a shot at taking the word out of your heart because you do nothing with it. It's a very, it's a very unique setting. The other group is, is a very unique group. In a sense, that they hear the word of God, they like what they, they hear, they're all excited about it, but the minute that they are challenged on the word of God, 
Men, they walk into a challenging situation where, and, and people say, well, I don't believe what you believe, or, or they come against that. They persecute you because you say you believe. Oh, you don't, you don't, you don't go to church every week. You don't believe God answers prayer. Or you, well, you know, sometimes. So we develop, we change our theology to accommodate our circumstance and tragedy by simply saying, well, God doesn't heal everybody. Come on, stay with me. Isn't it funny? The same people says God doesn't heal everybody. The same people says that God wants everybody saved. And they totally ignore that God says that, that he doesn't want anyone lost, but not everybody's going to be saved. Why? Because God doesn't save. Just because someone didn't get saved doesn't mean that God doesn't save. Just because somebody didn't get their healing doesn't mean that God's not a healer. Come on, stay with me, folks. And so people get, get pressured with these things. And they pull away from it. You've got the other group, which is a very unique group, which I, I think is very unique. It says that, that the, the cares, the worries of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire of other things. In other words, I desire other things more than I do the word of God. I, I desire, I would rather be doing something else than hearing what God's got to say. Rather than taking what God's word has, has meant to me and, and applying it to my life and, and allowing the word of God to, to, to hit in my heart, it's just some other stuff that I don't have time right now. I don't have time to, to, to have my devotion. I don't, I don't have time to, to, to meditate in the word. I, I don't have time to go to church. I, I don't have time to listen to the man or woman of God. I, I don't have time to go to the life group. I, I don't have time to, 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 to memorize scripture. Because I'm too busy, too busy watching Blue Bloods and Chicago Fire and too busy. Come on, you know what I'm saying? I'm just too busy. I got so much on my mind and I got so much stuff I'm doing. What, what, what am I? I just don't have the time. And it says because of that, the word is choked. It's not that you don't know it. Nothing worse than to know what the word of God says, believe what the word of God says, but you refuse to implement it. Nothing worse than a person who, don't you love it when you, get, when you get, catch someone doing something, they go, well, I know I shouldn't have done it. And then they turn around and they do it again. Why? Not because they didn't know. It's because they wanted to. It's because they desired that more than they did what was right. It's a very unique group. But there's another group here that we're going to get into some things this morning. And in, 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 this, in this passage, it says that there are those that heard the word of God. It was good ground. And we'll talk about that in a few moments. And it said they accept it. They become very personal up close with it. And they bear fruit. Now, this is the group that bothers me. I'm really not bothered by the other 75%. It's just the way it is. I've accepted the fact the word of God doesn't lie. And therefore, no matter what I do, only 25% are going to take the word of God that we teach and preach and actually activate it in lives. The rest of them are just coming along for the ride. I, I quit getting upset at people. Somebody goes, hey, did you know so-and-so? What do you think? I don't think anything about it. What good is it to me to judge somebody? What good is it to me to look at someone and critique what they're doing? I ain't got time for that. You know, it's, it's a funny thing. My dad used to make this statement. He says, if you spend time doing the yes, you'll, quick, you'll start ignoring the no's. If you're so busy doing the yes, the no's no longer come into play. When you're always doing right, the wrongs doesn't bother you. 
Even when you mess up, the wrongs don't bother you because you're still trying to do what's right, and the rights always bring you out. That's important we get a hold of that. But this group, is, it bothers me a little bit. There's a group that's sitting here today. They're going to hear what we're going to teach in a few moments. By the way, I'm not teaching yet. But we're going to hear what we're teaching today. And you're going to, wow, and isn't that great? And you can walk out and it means nothing to you. Know, the, the other group is going to be persecuted. The other group is going to get caught up with their own selves. But there's a group here today that's going to, I hear it, I believe it, I'm excited with it, I'm going to embrace it, this is mine. But only part of them is going to produce 30-fold. Doesn't that bother you? Doesn't everybody want 100 capacity? 100% full capacity? Why do I want to settle for 30%? Why do I want to sit in my position in life at 30% when I can have 100%? Why do I want to be satisfied and not move to the next level? The Bible says, as we talk about this year of being greater, we're moved from glory to glory. We should be changing every moment of every day, moving to a higher level. And maybe we're at 30%, but I don't want to stay at 30%. I don't want anyone, I know this sounds terrible, but I don't want anyone to walk around me at 100% capacity and make me feel like, how did they get there? How did, why they got 100%? Here's, here's what we get. I don't understand. I pray like everybody else. I give my tithe like everybody else. Why, why are they at that capacity and me at this capacity? We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Because you see, the, the 30, 60, 100-fold is set up for you over the next few verses in this passage of Scripture. It tells us the direction we can go in. And I want us to look at this for a quick moment. He says, also, verse 21, also he said to them, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? It is not, but to be set on a, tra- a, a lampstand. For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed. It is not anything being kept secret that it should not be come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. If anyone has ears to comprehend, perceive, and understand what that word means. Take heed what you comprehend, perceive, and understand. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whatever has, for whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even that which he has will be taken away from him. Listen to what he's saying here. He's saying that we are to be seen as a lamp into the world. We're a light. We know that. We're salt and we're light to the world in which we live. We're not to be hidden. We're to be revealed. We're not to hide out somewhere. In other words, let the world see what we're doing. What do I care? Let them see what I'm doing. Let them see what God is doing in my life. Let, let it be a witness of who my God is. But then he says something very unique. He says, whoever you are in your heart, no matter what you have secretly hidden, it's going to be revealed. <laughs> so you can put on a face for a while, but after a while, what the true you is going to come out. That's what he's saying here. But then he says something that really, it doesn't, maybe it bothers me a little bit. 
Because we've always heard that, you know, he who has, more is going to be given to them. That doesn't sound very Christ-like, does it? And he that doesn't have, what he does have is going to be taken from him. What? If you don't have enough, and he says, but you're going to have it taken from you. But he that's got more, why would that happen? Well, he's given us, we're bringing us to a teaching. We're coming to there in a moment. But I want to get something in our spirit. That we are a people who sit with the word of God. We're still talking about the 30, 60, 100 fold return now, not the other people, but the 25% group. 30, 60, 100 fold. There's a group of us that sit on what we have and so excited about what we have, we do nothing with it. Hang on to that in a minute because you see, you weren't created to do nothing. You were created to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. That's the DNA of God in every one of us. So we have to be productive. You were created to be productive. But there's a group that's going to hear the word, going to believe the word, going to receive the word. Oh, this is so wonderful and this is great. And look at what I've got. But they knew nothing with it. And he says, because you do nothing with it, you lose it. Nothing worse than to have people that's been to church for 30 years and never gone anywhere. They're the most miserable people in the world. They've never done anything with what God gave them. They come to church, they sit up, they sit down, they pray, they sing, they give their penance, they leave. But they never do anything with their lives. They never do anything of productivity. They're not winning souls. They're not, they're not bringing peace or, or joy to someone else. They're not reaching out to others. And then they wonder why, I don't understand. I, I just don't feel the way I used to feel. Well, because what you had, you're losing. And the reason you're losing it is because you're doing nothing with it. Mm. Then there's that other group. It says, you got, and because you got, I'm going to give you more. What does that mean? You're more. We know that from the parable in the book of Matthew, chapter 25, where he says that the man called his service to him. He gave to one five talents, one two talents, and one one talent. The one with five reproduced, the one with two reproduced, the one with one. He said, you're a wicked servant because you did nothing with what I gave you. And I didn't give you something you couldn't handle. I gave what you according to your ability. So what you have in your life is not based upon what you can't handle. It's based upon what God knows you can handle. That's why he gave it to you. Now, what are you going to do with it? Now, I realize I'm being a little stern right now, but, but I, I want us to get stirred up. To, I want to make you mad or glad. I, I, want, I want you to get so mad at me, you're going to prove me wrong. Are you so excited about me, you're going to take what I've got and just run with all your might. And either one don't matter to me because just so you're moving, that's all that matters to me. Amen? So listen to what he's saying to us here. He said there's a, there's, a, there's a pattern by which the 30, 60, and 100-fold people are to operate, the good ground, if you will. We know that, that, that there's four types of ground. There's a ground with no value. There's a ground of no faith. There's a ground of no focus. And there's a ground with no borders. We know the first group was a ground of no value. They never valued the word. Satan steals it immediately. There's a group that had no faith because they were persecuted. They walked away from it. There's a group who lost their focus because instead of glorifying God, they only cared about themselves. But there's that 3,600 fold group that has no borders. In other words, they're uncontrollable if they operate in this principle. We sang the song. If you only believe and operate according to what God's word says here, the formula for bearing fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. 
If you're taking notes, number one is called responsibility. I said responsibility. And that's what we're talking about right here in this passage. This deals with responsibility. And it deals with accountability because it says, not only is he going to reveal what's in you, but he says you're going to either get more or you're going to get less. But you, people are going to see, you're, they're going to see whether you really are committed to me and at what level are you committed to me in. Fascinating. Then there's the part of productivity which I want to get to and it says the parable of the growing of the seed. Verse 26, and he said, the kingdom of God, everybody say kingdom. Kingdom is sovereignty. It's where there is a sovereign ruler, the sovereign will. So the kingdom of God is the sovereign will of God. It's, it's his kingdom that he rules over based upon his criteria. I said based upon his criteria. If, if, if I go to your house, pastor, and, and I go putting my feet on the chairs, on the tables in your, in your house, just stick my feet upon that, I know that is not a criteria because I know your background and, and military background. Also, I know your wife. <laughs> and she'll let me know that in our kingdom, you don't put your feet on the table. Right. Amen? And you know what? And if I don't want to abide by that, you're going to say you can leave. Correct? Such is the kingdom of God. You don't want to abide by this? Then don't talk to God about miracles. He said, if you don't understand this, you'll not understand the rest of the parables. If you understand this, you understand all the parables. If you understand all the parables, understand the criteria is such as the kingdom of God. Such as the sovereignty of God. Such as the will of God. This is how this thing's going to work. Oh, I know, here we go again. Well, I don't believe in this seed time and harvest. I don't believe that. Okay, stay with me, folks. Uh, in the beginning, how many believe God created the heavens and the earth? I'm just curious. How many, I'm not being funny. How many believe it? Some of you don't believe it. It's fascinating. Boy, we've got a rough crowd today. Anybody remember how he created the heavens and the earth? Pardon? Oh, he spoke it. What did he speak? Oh, he spoke words. Oh, such is the kingdom of God. huh? Yeah, if you understand this parable, the sower sows the word. <laughs> so in the beginning, God used his word, which is a seed that everything else came from. Come on, stay with me, folks. And then he says something very unique. In, 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 in the book of Genesis chapter 1, in verse 26, he says, verse 22, first, but in verse 26 we look at, he says that God, he, God blessed them. And he said, you're going to be fruitful. You're going to multiply. You're going to replenish the earth. And then you're going to have authority. I don't have authority until I'm fruitful, multiplying, and replenishing. Now, now, let's look at this a moment. Well, I just don't know if I go along with that, Bishop. Really, do you send your children to school? Why? To be educated, correct? If I got to talk to everybody here, you start talking back to me. Okay. To be educated, correct? Your children go to school to be educated. Is that correct? And why do we want them to have an education? Because we want them to have a better life. Oh, I see, you send your school, your children to school so they can get education so when they get out of school, they can prosper. 
and you don't believe in prosperity. So why are you sending them to school? Let's move on. He says the kingdom of God is based on the seeds of the word of God producing in the life of the believers that they take responsibility and now with the responsibility of the word in their lives, they become productive. Good ground is those that are willing to accept accountability and move into productivity. That's something that we need to get in our spirit. You cannot function the way God created you to function if you don't understand this principle. That the kingdom of God, God so loved the world, stay with me. He gave his only begotten son. He gave his son, and his son is called the incorruptible seed. So God so loved the world, he gave the seed of his son so we could be saved. You can't be saved without the seed. You, the world couldn't have been created without the seed. Genesis 8, 22, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. It says not, uh, summer and winter, it says it's gonna be cold and heat, but as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest. So we sustain everything on the earth with seed time and harvest. But the one with the seed is the one who has authority. Well, I don't have any seed. God said he'll give seed to the sower. If you're willing to sow, God will give you some seed. My dad, years ago, we used to live in a place in North Carolina called Falcon, North Carolina. Big place, maybe maybe 1,000, 1,200 people lived there. And he had a little church there. And uh, one of the men in the church had died. He had a farm. He had a dairy farm, and the man had died. And, uh my dad began to notice because dad would get up every morning at, at 5.30 in the morning and pray and, and walk and pray and, and around the yard and stuff. And he noticed that that time in the morning, this guy would begin walking by his house and would go up to the man's house who had died, whose widow was living. And then he'd see him go up there every night. So finally, this man was a deacon in his church, small town. He said, this doesn't look good for this man going up. He's a married man going up there to a single woman, a widow woman. He's going up there twice a day. What is going on? I know none of y'all would think that way, but anyway, that's the way my dad thought at the moment. And so dad stopped him one morning. He said, hey, what are you doing? He said, well, to be honest with you, you know, uh, my wife and I have talked about it, and uh, there's not a lot we can do to help. We're not in a position to financially and do stuff like that. But, you know, they've got those cows up there, and as long as the cows are producing milk, she has an income. He says, so I go up there, and milk her cows for her so she can have an income. He says, and my dad says, you go up to milk her cows. He says, well, let me put it this way, Bishop. The Bible says that Jesus washed their feet. He says, I'm, we're just washing her feet. That was a seed. Oh, some of you, it went right past you. He took his time, his talent, and his ability, and he didn't, couldn't give her the money. He didn't have the money, but he had time, talent, and ability that he could sow seed so this widow could be maintained. Don't tell me you don't have seed. Everyone here has seed of some kind. I said everyone here has seed of some kind. It's just you've got to be a doer and not a hearer only. Glory to God. But he says, such is the kingdom of God. And I, I want to get this in your spirit. Such is the kingdom of God. Is a man should scatter seed on the ground, should sleep by night and rise by day. And the seed 
should sprout and grow. And he himself, he doesn't know how that happens. In other words, when you sow a seed of any kind, you don't know how it works once it's sowed. God knows how to handle the seed. The seed within it has an ability to reproduce. God does that. And God says, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Good ground. Watch this. It's the one who's willing to sow. But watch this now. You don't know how it's going it's to grow. For the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head. And after that, the full grain, the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle. <laughs> because the harvest has come. Oh, my God. What is my job? What, what creates good ground? Accountability. Come on. But also productivity. How do I produce? I sow seed because that's the way the kingdom of God works. I don't know how the seed reproduces. I just know I sow the seed. That's all I do is I sow the seed. What are you doing? I'm sowing seed. What are you doing? I'm sowing seed. What are you talking to them for? I'm sowing seed. Why are you going there? I'm going sowing seed. Why are you helping them? I'm sowing seed. Well, I don't do it for anything. Then you're a fool. Let me help you with that. Everybody, you know this. We've talked this many times before in this church for years. Take a deep breath. Hold on to it. Don't let it go. Take one on top of it. Take one on top of that. You can't. You've got to give up what you've got before you can get something back. You can't even survive without giving and receiving. You've got to give up the air in your lungs to be able to take new air in or you will not survive. The life that we live is based upon sowing. I'm messing somebody up now. And reaping. Sowing and reaping. I sow. I know there's a season, so I don't worry about that. I don't go back and dig it up and look at it every day. I forget it. I've sown it. But there comes a season that it will ripen. And when it ripens, I have a right to the harvest. I said, when it ripens, I have a right to the harvest. I said, when it ripens, so I sow and reap. Look at the person next to you and say, you were created by God to be a sower and a reaper. <laughs> Y'all enjoy the music today? Isn't that good? Yeah, yeah. We came out here to sing, praise God. Why? Because we want God to have the praises of his people. Oh, we want to give something up so we get something down. Amen. Got it. Let me walk you through the journey now. Now I'm going to give you some things that they don't have on the screen. You're going to have to be taking notes because I just jotted those down. But I want to talk to you about seed time and harvest real quick. We're talking about good ground. What produces good ground? We've given you the things of the different types of ground that they had, but we talked about that what produces the good ground is responsibility, accountability, and productivity, and then the action and reaction. Action and reaction. But if you're taking notes, seed time and harvest is a commanded lifestyle for believers. I said it's a commanded lifestyle for believers to live by God's word. What is it to be a lifestyle of a believer in God? Be productive, to be fruitful, to multiply and replenish. 
I want to be just like Jesus. Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. I just want to know Jesus. Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. Don't talk to me about being like Jesus. He calls the loaves and fish to be multiplied. Don't talk to me you want to be like Jesus. He raised the dead. Don't talk to me that you want to... How did he raise the dead? He said, oh, he used his word. What's his word? It's a seed to get Lazarus out of the grave. If you want to operate in this dimension, seed time and harvest, it is a commanded lifestyle. It's not, God didn't say, you think maybe you might want to pray about it and we'll get back and talk about it a little bit later. Get another couple of people, get in your little life group and talk about this. Then find out whether you really want, what is your feeling about fruit, uh, being uh, fruitful, multiplying and replenishing? How do you feel about that? How many of those God didn't say that? He gave him a command. I said he gave him a command. Well, let's look a little bit further. Write this down. I'm gonna write this just before anybody messes it up, but this is not my saying. I got it from a friend. But you cannot sow a seed and buy a miracle. You cannot sow a seed and buy a miracle. But you can sow a seed and expect a harvest. I hate people say, if you give X amount of dollars, come get your healing. That ain't going to happen. You don't buy a miracle. So let's get that out of the way, okay? This is not what this is about. Number two, sowing of a seed is all about the future. Ooh. It's not about the moment. Most of us sow a seed because we're in trouble in the moment. It's it's seeds for the future. The Bible says God gives seed to the sower and he takes and he provides food for you, then he multiplies your seed sown. In other words, if you're sowing a seed and you're operating in the kingdom of God, God will cause you to survive the moment so you can get to the harvest. Amen. Glory to God. Sowing a seed is all about the future. Seed time and harvest has nothing to do with your past or the present. Hmm. Seeds are the power to establish your destiny. They're the power to establish your destiny. It gives one the ability to control their future. Well, God's got control of my future. No, God gave you the authority with seeds that you can control whether or not you can do what he told you to do or not do what he told you to do. See, here we get a thing mixed up about the sovereign God. This is God's sovereign will. Well, it is God's sovereign will, but I don't mean you're going to walk in it. God's sovereign wills that none should perish and all come to save knowledge of Jesus, but not everybody's going to get saved. It's up to you to take the principles of the word of God and apply them for your future and destiny so you can walk where God wants you to walk and do what God wants you to do. That's responsibility. We hate that in the church, but we have to take responsibility. I am what I am today based upon the seeds I've sown in my life. If I'm not happy, then I need to go back and examine my happy seeds. (laughs) Sowing a seed releases the power to change the world of which you live. You can change the time. You can change your talent, your family, all circumstances with the sowing of a seed. Sowing of a seed will determine your lifestyle. It's your faith and your success. It's based upon the seeds you sow. I don't like the way I'm living. Then change the seeds you're sowing. Change the seeds 
you're sowing. It's so easy to allow circumstances to pull us into where they are and we think that I'm, I'm stuck or we think that I've got to work my way out of this. No, I'm going to sow my way out of this. I can't work my way out of it. Only God can get me out of this. See, now you put the pressure on what you believe in God. Sowing a seed should establish your belief in a harvest. Your belief in a harvest should show your trust in God. Your belief in a harvest should show your trust in God. Well, Bishop, I, I don't know about that. I, you know, I just, that, that has nothing to do, really? Watch this now. These signs shall follow them that believe. And you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Those that believe are operating in faith and because they're operating in faith, faith without works is rendered inoperative. So if I want my faith operative, I've got to be about the Father's business. Now I know this goes against a lot of the grace teaching that is out there. But I'm saved by mercy and grace has been given to me, empowered me so that I can function at the level God has called me to function. I don't have time to teach on that. We did a whole series on grace in the past. But it's important we understand something here. That today, today, the sowing of a seed has nothing to do with grace. It has everything with me using the grace of God in my life so that I can move in the direction he wants me to move in. I don't have a question about my salvation. I don't have a question about my position in God. I don't have a question about whether God loves me. I don't have a question about whether, in other words, it's not not what I can do, it's what he has done. But he says, I'm telling you, such is the kingdom of God, the seeds you sow will activate that. Well, I don't believe in that. Well, what are you gonna do when he says to you, if you ask anything in my name, if, if I don't believe that because I have grace, I don't have to worry about it, then why am I asking for stuff? Why am I laying hands on the sick? That's very New Testament. Why am I calling for the elders of the church and anointing them at all? That's very New Testament. It's the seeds we sow. Now watch this now. Sowing a seed establishes your belief in a harvest, but your belief in a harvest establishes your, I trust God. The reason I sow my seed is I know that God is in control. Nothing the enemy likes better than to say you believe in something and then sit down. God never creates anything without the law of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping is found in the DNA of every living thing, every living thing. I love this. To be non-productive is to ignore God's will for mankind to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. I totally ignore God's will for my life to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish. And the sowing of a seed, <laughs> it gives the sower the authority and establishes his right. You will love this, to take ownership of the harvest. You don't have a right to take ownership of a harvest you've never sown seed for. But if you've sown seed, you have a right to take ownership of the harvest. It's yours. It's not somebody else's. I said it's not someone else's. It's yours. Because you sowed the seed. You used the seed God gave you. Therefore, you have a right to the harvest that God said that seed's going to produce. 
Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, or entered in the heart of men the things God has prepared for them. He's prepared them for them. How do I exact those things out of the kingdom of God? I begin to sow the seed that causes manifestation. Without the sowing of the seed, there is no manifestation. Go to the book of Joshua chapter 1. Ask the uh, musicians and them to come. Joshua chapter 1, if you would please. Very unique passage. We're going to close with these today. And I hope the foundation has been as such that pastor can build on this as he goes. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left hand that you may prosper wherever you go. Isn't it amazing when you read that? It's like reading about the sowing of the word over there and about the people that, that, that they were not strong in the Lord. They were not courageous. They were, not, they, 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 they were weak in their thinking. They were weak in their thought pattern. Here he says, listen, learn to be, he says, be strong and be very courageous. Be, be fastened upon what you say you believe. Seize it. If you, say you, if you say this is what you're believing, then seize it. Watch now. This book of the law should not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you, for then you will, everybody say, I will. Watch this now. It, you will make your way prosperous. Let me read that again. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, that you shall meditate day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you will. It didn't say God will. It said you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. See, if you're not prospering, don't look at the left or the right. Don't look at what another man has or another woman has or doesn't have. Look in the mirror. See, my prosperity has nothing to do with money. It has everything to me fulfilling what God called me to do. If I'm doing what God called me to do, it's amazing how there's always finance. I'll make myself prosperous. Come on, look at the person next to you and say, it's on you. See, you will decide whether you're good ground or not. You'll decide that. Nobody's going to decide whether you're good ground or not. I'm not going to look at you and say you're not good ground. God says, look at yourself. You tell me whether you're good ground or not. I've given you the formula. Here's how you become good ground. Funny, isn't it? Go over to the book of John, chapter 15. Verse 7, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. You will ask what you will, and it shall be done. If you abide, the word abide means stay in a state of expectancy. 
But Pastor Kathy, you have cancer. This is not good. We're going to move above breast. We this is bad. We don't know what's going to happen here. Your, your, your grandmother died of cancer. Your aunt died of cancer. Your mother had breast cancer. You've got cancer. You've got a problem. I'll live and not die. I think something's wrong with you, lady. No, nothing wrong with me. I'm in an expectant state of God's healing. <laughs> and that was back in 2004, so we're doing pretty good so far. Yeah. Watch this now. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and shall be done. And by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. So good ground is going to spend time in expectation of what God has said. If you stay in a state of expectancy in me, and allow my word to stay in a state of expectancy in you, then you can ask what you will, it shall be done. And because of that, God is glorified when you have your, your harvest, or you have your answer to prayer. God's glorified. It's, it, it's amazing to me. When you begin to read the scripture, how God has worked so hard to give us everything we need to produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. But it's based, it's based upon us. Look, look over at Psalms chapter 1. Psalms chapter 1. <laughs> Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but stands in the path, nor stands in the path of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful. I don't, I, that's a whole teaching here. I'm going to go through there. But, but his delight is in the law or in the word of the Lord, which is what? The seed of God. And in his law or in his word or in his seed, he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth, look at this, fruit in its season. Everybody say Season. Mm. Michael Cash, how old are you? 12 years old. And because he's 12 years old, I'm not buying him a car. You know why I'm not buying him a car? Because he'd kill himself. It's not his season. Sometimes we have to grow up before we can activate our season. We've sown our seed, but we've got to grow up for that seed in order. For God's saying, listen, I'm going to give you a harvest, and I promise you it's not return void, but you need to grow up. Oh, come on, stay, folks. Stay with me here. Look at this now. It, it, it says that you, you're going to bring it forth. It will not wither. Like a tree by the river brings forth fruit in a season whose leaf shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper, shall push forward, shall advance, shall succeed. Last but not least, let me give you one more scripture here quickly. Let's go over to the book of Isaiah 55. Familiar verses, but I just want to lay this foundation deep today. But as we look over here in Isaiah, it's amazing to me how we pull certain things out of scripture and we don't read the whole book. But in this passage, we read over and over again that it fits for where we're at today. In Isaiah, in 55, look 
what he says over here. Let's start in verse 10. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and it does not return, but waters the earth and it makes it bring forth bud. Hmm. Makes it. Everybody say makes. That's a great word to study right there. Makes it bring forth bud that it may give seed to the sower bread to the eater so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth it will not return to me void but it will accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it Mm. so if I hide the word of God in my heart that I might not sin against him why shouldn't I hide the word of God in my heart so that I could walk in success See, we've lived in a double standard in the body of Christ. We use the word to control rather than to release. What would happen if the 25% a day that is really locked into where I'm talking would take what I've got and say, I'm not going to settle for 30. I'm going all the way for a hundredfold return. You know what would happen? More people would be saved. It would multiply. Think a minute. 30% is one level, but 100% is this level. More people would be saved. It's just 25% of us would say, I'm going to take this pattern. I'm going to take this principle. I'm going to apply it to my life, and I'm going to make sure that everything I do is productive. Will it glorify God? Will it bless others? And will it bring a harvest back into my life? Will it glorify God? Will it bless others? And will it bring a harvest back into my life? What I'm doing, is God happy with what I'm doing? Number two, is it of benefit to people that I know when I come in contact with? When I come around, they go, oh my God, here he comes. They go, oh, praise God, look who's here. We're excited to see them. Am I a blessing? I'm blessed to be a blessing, right? I'm in Christ. I'm Abraham's seed, heir according to the promise, which is what? To be a blessing. So does it give God glory and honor? Does it make him happy? Is God excited over what you're doing? Number two, the people in your life, are they excited about what you're doing? And is it going to bring a harvest back into your life? I can tell you, and I don't have time to get into this a whole other deal, but there's a lot of people spending a lot of time in a lot of places that produces nothing for their life. We waste more time on stuff that produces nothing and we fall into that category, that third category, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and other things enter in and they choke the word because we're so caught up with all this other stuff, we're non-productive. But if it'll glorify God, oh my God. If it'll cause you to be blessed, oh my, 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 my. It'll bring a harvest back into my life. I've just elevated myself. I said, I've just elevated myself. I'm making myself prosperous with the sowing of my time, my talent, my energy, and my finance. I don't give anything away that I don't expect to harvest. 
well, I don't need any. I don't ask God for I gas God for everything because it's a, it's a principle. I said, it's a principle. Why do we come to church? Because I don't want anything? If you didn't get anything, you'd walk out of here and go, I'm leaving this church. I get nothing there. The word's not taught. The music is terrible. The people aren't friendly. I'm out of here. I'm going to go someplace where they love me. Oh, you want something. Oh, I thought you didn't want anything. See, life is based. Oh, oh, God, help me. I'm going to mess some of your theology up right now. Life that you live is based upon the wants that you have. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's not what he's talking about there. We taught on that. That want is a totally different want. He says, whatsoever things you ask, you believe that you receive them. I do have wants in my life. My want is this. I want God. I want what God has said. I want what God has promised. And I want everything that God has activated for my life. The word of God is so that I can be productive, fruitful, multiply. Why do I need to be productive, fruitful, and multiply? I need authority. Well, we just messed that up too. Well, now, you know, if you, you're such a believer, you believe God can do all those things, then why don't, you say, why don't you say something about what's going on in the world today? Why didn't you stop the, uh, the COVID virus? <laughs> because when you're not living in a place of productivity, you have no authority. And the church is so lived beneath the position of authority that we're a laughing stock. And the reason we're laughing stock and the reason we have no authority is because most of the church can't even pay their bills. Most of the church are having as many divorces as the world is having. Most of the church is facing the same sicknesses with no deliverance and no freedom because we're, we've accepted what the world has said to us. But somewhere along the line, I've got to put my foot down and say, listen, I might die today, but I'm not going to stop believing who my God is. My God is who he said he he is. He is above and not below. He is the head and not the tail. He is my King of kings and Lord of lords. My God is a God of possibilities. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you.